Let me start with a little introduction. Probably should have had this earlier in the series, but it's just kind of come to me now. I started doing this because I learned things in my life that from people, some of whom aren't around anymore, and they're useful things and they're good things, and I feel that they need to be put out into the world and shared to be used because they are useful and make uh, the work we do, the thinking we do, the lives we live better. And I didn't get them until I was well into adulthood. And hopefully I can pass this on that it gets some more adults and maybe even some young adults who can use it earlier in their lives. Now, having said that, some of the items are things that I've used for years. So it's a bit of a presentation. It's a bit of this is how what I use works, and this is how I would suggest you give it a try at first um, because there's some history in using it that way. There's other things I'm sharing, are just conversations. I'm just missing the other person for the conversation. So I'm being real with where I am and do not mean to give any impression that um, I'm somehow got this all figured out and know exactly how everything should be going. Um, It's a journey. I don't think that we stop growing until we stop breathing, if that's our choice. Now, we can choose to stop growing and just kind of exist, but that isn't my choice. I choose to live until I'm not anymore. And to me, living is growing, learning. And having been through the 12 steps, I really do believe in that 12th one, which is having had some spiritual Awakening, having had some experience that's useful to others, it's my responsibility to pay it forward. So that's what this is about. Um, so let's pick up a little bit from the uh, talk we had about judging and judgment. And one of the items that was mentioned in there was about uh, acceptance versus performance. And what I was looking at was how we view ourselves, how we judge ourselves. Are we accepted by other people? Are we accepted by ourselves? Against what standards? And often those standards are some level of performance. I'm not going to get into the whole, uh, the spiritual direction now, but it is one of the growth areas in my life to believe that I am accepted as I am and as I was created to be, flaws and all. The flaws were there so that I would work through and grow and have something to grow from, Um, not something that I have to remove and get better from my life to be a better person. But as I said, that's something that I'm working on. What I have discovered is that my nature has been for much of my adult life, maybe even the pre-adult and the teenage years, performance-based. I had to be worthy. I go back to the uh, takeout line from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I'm not worthy. Well, I felt that an awful lot, that I wasn't worthy of some of the good things that happened to me. And when they didn't happen or something didn't work out, then I must not have been worthy, which is why I didn't get them. Um, But it also meant everything I had to perform for. Uh, 
Um, I can think back to opportunities that, were, that I was presented. I turned them down because I didn't want to be owing anyone. I didn't want to be beholding to anyone. Um, I was offered a job by the vice chairman of a corporation. Now, today I recognize having a mentor and having someone in your corner at that level is a gift beyond um, a gift for someone starting in their career. But I didn't want to owe anyone, so I took a different job. And I'm in a different place and went a different journey because that must have been what I needed to take. But I can tell you now, if I could go back to that point in time in my life, I'd be working and it would have started working in a different place than where I did. Um, because we owe somebody something at every stage in our lives. There's, oh, we're not going to do this all on our own. And we can't perform our way out of all situations. Yes, our performance does have an impact. Yes, it does make a difference. But it doesn't define us by value. Um, now, I say that within the social norms. Um, you know, somebody who's a serial murderer or, you know, does horrible things, traffic, human trafficking, there, that's evil. That's just plain evil, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about normal people, the people, your coworkers. Um, most of us don't have that evil streak, and um, I'm going to sit here and say I don't. So that isn't what drove me. My performance was, was I worthy to get something from someone else that I earn it? Was I, was it something that it was, I was got by my effort, not just by the luck of the draw. You know what? The bank doesn't care whether you earn that check or whether it came from a lottery. It's still cash. They'll still spend it. They'll still collect interest and fees on it. Um, so that's been my latest focus is performing, but not looking as my performance as my self-worth, that I have a self-worth as a person. And the irony to me is 10, 20 years ago, I actually sat and talked to peers in, in leading one of the organizations I was in, and that was what I said, people have worth their performance influences their contribution to the business, which might influence the compensation they get from the business, but that's not their self-worth. Their worth is that as a God-given child of God, as an individual, not their job. Um, that deference to authority is something that went away with the generation before, the greatest generation. I think there was something about that generation that had a greater deference to authority that the boomers have kind of taken away. Um, some of us miss, miss it, and just like everything else, we tend to overshoot it. That there, I don't think there's enough deference to, to authority today, that authority is not respected quite enough in many cases. But um, over-deference and true deference to, to authority was not, was, was not necessarily the optimum. Um, so what am I doing in talking about this? Well, I'm, I'm being who I am and letting out some of the 
secrets under the kimono, uh, looking for the, you know, pay attention to the man behind the screen, uh, behind the curtain, as a Wizard of Oz. Uh, because in the recovery world, you are as sick as your secrets is one of the statements that really is true. What you hold in is going to continue to haunt you. You are going to make compensating moves to protect it and keep it secret, which is only going to make you feel more guilty and drive it deeper. Because a lot of the secrets that you hold inside are kind of like cockroaches. Once they see a light, they run and scatter. And what, you find, what I have found is I'm not the only one. That's really the danger of holding that all inside, is believing that it, I'm the only one that, that it has that thought. I'm the only one that's incapable of standing up to this person or saying the correct thing at the correct time or having a good comeback or coming up with a new and novel idea. Isolation is danger. Isolation is the place that um, separates us from the other people that can help get us out of that situation. And surprise of all surprises, many of them are thinking the same way or have similar issues themselves. One of the greatest examples of that I have is people who feel uncomfortable walking into a room that all the eyes in the room are on them. And I said people just then, and I'm one of those people. There were times I'm walking into the room and feel a little self-conscious that people were checking me out or there was some reason that they were looking at that my pants didn't fit right or my shoes were the wrong color or they weren't polished enough or something silly like that. The reality is everybody in the room is worried about some everyone else looking at them. The focus is all about ourselves, but we're looking at ourselves with questions that everyone else... So we think they're all looking at us about us And they're looking at us hoping that we don't see what they're looking to hide from us. Now, just if you can let that all go, how much easier it would be, how much more pleasant it would be, how much real, more real could it be? And I found places like that. I found meetings where people um, let down that facade. They drop that mask that they put up to protect them from others. And let down their hair and say, this is where my problem is. This is what I'm having trouble with. And others have similar problems currently or in the past. And if it was in the past, they share how they got through it or what they experienced in it. So at least there's some camaraderie and maybe even some ideas on how to move forward and how to move out of it. But it doesn't happen in isolation. It doesn't happen all inside. So that means that we find someone to talk to. If we want to go a professional route and believe that we want to keep it all secret, then find a therapist. Um, Have a trusted friend that you know will keep what you share between you and not make it part of a discussion with the third party. One way to do that is that you both share something that you don't want out And that's sort of a quid pro quo that keeps everybody honest. Um, But on the flip side, how much is your pain worth and how much is it costing you? So letting it out may have a value far, far greater than what you think you're protecting by keeping it in. 
Because what does it matter what someone else thinks of you? It really comes down to what you think of you because that guides your behaviors and what God thinks about you because that guides how you live your life and where your eternal life will be. So maybe part of this performance is to stop worrying about everyone else needing to see our performance in order to accept us and to look to accept ourselves. Along that line, there's an exercise, and I keep coming back to it, but it was from Louise Hay in her book, How to Heal Yourself, and she might have shared it in other places, but that's where I found it. It was look into the mirror, look into your eyes, and say to the person that you see, I love you. And say it in the way that you say it in the middle of the night to your dearest love mate. Mean it. Because the truth is, if you can't love yourself wholly, completely, thoroughly, you can't share that with anyone else. So that's the first place that you've got to start. And you have to accept yourself. I have to accept myself where I am. And I have to stop looking to judge that my performance is my value. I offer that something for you to consider. By the way, I still don't say I love you smoothly and completely. Um, I'm better than the Fonz was on happy days, but it's still not smooth and complete. I'm a work in progress in that regard. And here's what's neat. When we accept ourselves, when we start letting ourselves love ourselves, when we start letting ourselves accept the love that God and Jesus poured out for us and say is ours just because we are, the insecurity about other people diminishes and goes away. Confidence in who I am and what I can do goes up. And it's a real calm confidence. I've often got a kick out of describing to people the difference between real confidence and the fake toughness that we often exhibit and see. Someone who is really confident in their abilities and in the outcome of the situation doesn't have to put on a show, doesn't have to yell and posture, just can calmly say, this is how it's going to be. And if the other party has any sense, they recognize and can see the outcome that's predicted. It's the people who stand and posture and carry on that are really trying to convince themselves. And in some way, they're kind of like um, the animals that have blow up and try to appear bigger than they are to scare off the predators and scare off the attacks because they give this impression of being something that they're not. And all the bluster and carrying on is often just that bluster and carrying on in the hopes to scare you off because truly they're scared inside. But if you have that calm inner confidence, it's peaceful and it comes through and it shows because there's no reason to tell anybody it comes out in your demeanor and who you are and how you carry yourself. That's what I 
hope for. Um, my, <laughs> if we're going to use Hollywood examples, you know, Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid didn't carry on, didn't show off, was calm, measured, but knew he could handle the situation when he had to, and he did. That's my kind of model. That's my kind of idea how to do things. So how could we drop the performance? How can we accept ourselves? I think it's kind of like the, what we talked about for, the, for judging is keeping a log. What are we saying about ourselves? When do we find ourselves having to be good enough to do something? When do we find ourselves issuing a reward? I understand for business, you have to perform a certain amount to get a reward. That makes sense. If you want to grow in your education, you're taking a course at night, you may have to set goals and monitor your performance there. But just in being a human being, no, I don't think there's any performance standards that you measure yourself against other than the ones you read when you pick up the Bible or whatever your book of faith is to say this is how I live my life and I do not need to perform to please the people around me. I'm trying it. Give me your feedback on how you think about it. In fact, tell me what you think how I did here. How's that? I still got performance desires inside of me and looking for feedback. Be well. Have a great day.